This is your Thanksgiving daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope everybody's having a great day, getting some time off, eating whatever it is you want to eat today. Turkey is uh, the way I go, and that's just my preference. Plenty of potatoes as well, lots of good desserts. Hope you guys are having a great day, though, and watching football if you want. We're going to do a podcast today. We're going to do another one on Friday, but uh, the Friday one pre-recorded, kind of out there for uh, for you guys to, to have something to do on maybe your shopping, things like that, talking twins on Friday. Today, though, got some good stuff coming up as well. Tanner Morgan, Gopher quarterback, will join me here in just a little bit. Gophers versus Wisconsin on Saturday doesn't get much bigger than that. Perhaps the Big Ten West will be on the line, although they can't control that as they are fond of telling us. They can't control what happens in Friday's game against uh, between Iowa and Nebraska. Mark Craig will join me too in a little bit to break down the next week of the NFL, the slate of games on Sunday, including Vikings at 49ers in a very interesting matchup and an important one between teams that are 5-5 five and five and battling for one of those lower playoff spots as of right now in the NFC. But first, what did I miss? You know, friends like to tease me. I've written several variations of the blog post, have the Timberwolves turned a corner. It's become kind of a Twitter, uh, it's not a meme, I guess, but it's become a Twitter bit of fun and a direct, you know, a group text bit of fun. Have the Timberwolves turned the corner when they won, um, you know, a couple games uh, recently, you know, my friends were like, hey, have they turned the corner? Have they turned the corner yet? Um, I'm not still ready to say that, but guys, five in a row, including um, Wednesday night, Target Center packed. They beat the Heat, beat Jimmy Butler, and look good doing it. Anthony Edwards has a another monster game, um, just you know, all over the score sheet. Thirty-three points, fourteen rebounds, six assists, three steals, and a block was absolutely huge. Um, you know, kind of took over the game when Carlton Towns was out with foul trouble for a good portion of it. Took over Patrick Beverly, went out with an injury early in the game. D'Angelo Russell had a good game, but, you know, 20 points, 6 assists. It was really the Anthony Edwards show by and large. Could have been 35 points, by the way. Uh, Had a dunk uh, in the fourth quarter that absolutely electrified people. Called a charge. Kind of funny. Uh, I want to play a clip from Ant after the game because he pretty much summed up how everybody felt about that call. So, I mean, technically, maybe it was a charge. You could see how it was called. The defender wasn't in the restricted area. But, come on, you can't call that a charge. That said, that said, that could have been a point of implosion for the Wolves, and the Heat did make a little run right after that. But Wolves respond, play good defense down the stretch. Heat only had 39 points in the second half. Wolves did allow them over 100, but it was only 101, 113-101. Defense keeps going really well. Malik Beasley, huge in this game, 29 points off the bench, probably his best game of the season. They needed him, like I said, with Patrick Beverly out. And, you know, that's five wins in a row. They were 4-9, and nine, now they're 9-9. Nine and nine. This was the best team they've beaten during that streak. There was a certain measure of satisfaction from beating Jimmy Butler. Butler did not have a good game, 
by the way. You, you know, he's pretty pretty well kept down, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 5 assists. He was a minus 16 in the game. Kyle Lowry fouled out. Um, good to, good play there by D'Angelo Russell in the fourth quarter. So a lot to like from this game. Again, let's see a little bit more consistency, a little bit more out of the Wolves as we you know kind of see them play some tougher competition right now before I am ready to say that they have, in fact, turned a corner. They weren't the only ones on uh, on Wednesday night looking good. The Wild wins in a shootout over New Jersey, lost a 2-0 lead, but came back to win that in a shootout. Gopher men's basketball team goes to 5-0 and on the season with a win over Jacksonville. So it's just kind of one of those nights uh, in a good way, not a bad way. Um, a lot of times it's one of those nights in a bad way, right? Local sports were kind of conditioned to expect the worst sometimes with uh with you know when one team loses it feels like a lot another team kind of follows suit but in this case there was a kind of a just kind of the the snowball rolling down the hill and the wolves were certainly the biggest part of that now they'll play friday against charlotte um anthony edwards against Lamelo ball in that game that should be a lot of fun then philadelphia the game after that always Interesting when Carl Anthony Towns and Joel Embiid square off. They've had their uh, share of battles over the years as well. So can the Wolves keep their composure in those moments? I thought they were starting to lose their composure sometimes against Miami. Then they reeled it back in. I thought D'Angelo Russell, like I said, had a good game. It was kind of a stabilizing force in that way. Made some big shots down the stretch too. Liked what I saw composure-wise from them, by and large, um, in, in Wednesday's game. So that will be key for them as they play some of these better teams in these close games. Found a way to, to close out Miami on Wednesday. Can they do it consistently in the next three or four weeks? That is the question. And if they do, I will be ready to declare in front of everybody, and especially on group text, that they have turned a corner. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake for 24-7 gaming, fun restaurants and bars, and luxurious hotel rooms. And join Club M to bask in the rewards. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. Uh, happy to be joined today by Tanner Morgan, obviously Gopher quarterback for four years running now. How you doing, Tanner? Uh, I'm elite. Um, you know, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for doing this. Um, we all know what's what's coming Saturday, uh, Wisconsin. No secret that that's a, a huge game. Obviously, just talk me through preparation for that coming into this week. You've been through a bunch of those already in your career. Yeah, you know, really uh, being able to pull from our past to create our future of uh, understanding, um, you know, what the axe means, uh, you know, for our program, for our state, uh, and then being able to, to pull from our past of ways that we weren't able to, to be successful, um, and really just you know prepare. Um, like we always do uh, as a one game championship season to be at our best on Saturday because you know, that's what we can control and just be able to put ourselves in the best position to be successful on Saturday uh, to give us the best chance to win a game. Any career is going to have ups and downs. I'd say 2019 had a certain amount of highs. Um, since then, you faced some criticism, let's be honest, and not all of it warranted, but sometimes the play has been uneven. I've criticized you, and I'm sorry about that. No, you had a good game last week, but how do you handle outside criticism, I guess, is my question. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if that's the reason why you're doing what you do, uh, you're going to get burnt out because everybody's going to face it. So, you know, for me, what matters is uh, our four walls. And um, at the end of the day, I, I play football you know, for my teammates and 
it's what I love to do, and uh, I believe I'm, I'm doing it for a reason. And uh, I love you know, to, to worship uh, the Lord as I play football too. And so, um, you know, obviously there's been a lot of highs and there's been a lot of lows as well. But at the end of the day, it's all about uh, being being better for my teammates uh, and giving them the best chance to be successful as as the quarterback, as a leader of this team. Um, but again, if you if you focus on that, you know, in our, our program, we don't really focus on external. Uh, it'll burn you out and you, know, you won't be able to be at your best. What did you learn in particular, I guess, from 2019 kind of stands out? It's just one of those games where it's like everything you know about it is, is kind of right there in front of you. 2020, I kind of throw a lot of that out the window because it was such a weird year in general. But as you think about that game, how do you how do you learn from that moment? And, you know, especially as a team going against a team as good as Wisconsin? Yeah. Uh, I think it, it, it comes down to focus, being able to focus on, um, you know, what you have to do on, on that game to be successful. You can't worry about the results. Um, just worry about, you know, focus on what you can do to be successful and then responding from whatever happens in the game. Um, you know, I think it's a huge learning moment. You know, in 2019 we were close, but we couldn't get the job done. So being able to learn from that and understand how we can, you know, change our best from that moment and give ourselves a better chance to be successful. That's a, you know, I say it all the time, but... Um, there's no guarantees in this game, but you can give yourself you know, the best chance. Uh, and so for us, you know, learning from that, you know, being able to be emotionally, physically, and you know, spiritually at our best this Saturday is you know, what we have to pull from our past from. A couple more things for you, Tanner. Appreciate the time. Um, I heard you talking a couple minutes ago in the group setting about you can't worry about what happens with Iowa and Nebraska on Friday. That said, I mean, even as you're preparing, are you going to peek at the score? Are you going to know at least, I would imagine, at some point, what's at stake on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm sure uh, Coach will address it. Um, you know, we'll, we're in our, our Friday routine, so I'm not sure, you know, we'll really know what's going on, to be honest with you. We'll be in meetings and being able to prepare. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, we're playing against Wisconsin, an elite team uh, for one of, you know, the best rivalry games uh, in college football for one of one of the best rivalry trophies in college football. And so uh, that's what we have to do our, our best chance of, you know, do, do a good job of is, you know, be prepared for that game no matter what happens because, again, it's outside of our control. Uh, but we can control, you know, pr- our preparation for this Saturday. Have you allowed yourself to reflect on kind of the big picture of just the, the span of time and here you are and, and this is, you know, going out and playing here and, and you know, the, at, at, at Huntington Bank Stadium for, you know, what, you know, could be your, your last game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm just very grateful for, uh, one, Coach Fleck bringing me here uh, in 2017 uh, and, you know, for, for always believing in me. Uh, I'm always sticking by my side and uh, grateful for this university and, and the state. Uh, you know, I don't really know what, you know, I, when I was a 16-year-old sophomore or junior, I don't, you know, Minnesota wasn't necessarily something I was thinking of, uh, but, you know, this is home now. Um, I love being here. I love this state and I love – uh, being able to play for the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers. Uh, and it's really a dream come true for me. Um, and it's what I love to do, and I'm, I'm grateful for every opportunity I've ever gotten. What would it mean to go uh, hold that axe uh, on Saturday then? Yeah, it would mean everything. You know, it's uh, to have the axe back would, would mean a lot for our state, for our program. Uh, and so we're excited to have a chance to, to, go, to go make that happen. Thanks, Tanner. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you very much. Appreciate you. Enjoyed catching up with Tanner Morgan. He, you know, statistically, he's one of the best quarterbacks in Gopher football history. You know, leads them in wins as far as recorded history goes for quarterbacks. He's number one in completion percentage. 
You know, he's thrown for a bunch of yards. He, you know, he, he's accomplished in, in a lot of ways, 25 wins, like I said. I mean, for all that he's done, he probably takes a little bit too much criticism. Maybe the 2019 season set us up a little bit for unrealistic expectations. And, you know, when he didn't have Tyler Johnson, didn't have Rashad Bateman, uh, things weren't quite as good for him, you know, going forward. But, he still, you know, still gives them probably the best chance to win on Saturday. And if he can win that game, the opinion of him will surely be a lot different than it has been for parts of this season. It's NFL Picks time with Mark Craig. An interesting slate of games this week, Mark. Just kind of looking it over. And, you know, honestly, one of the most interesting games, not just because it's the one that people here care the most about, but... Five and five Vikings against five and five 49ers probably need to start there. We usually do with the Vikings anyway, but you know, a game with a lot of playoff implications, just as you think about sorting out the bottom of the NFC playoff picture and tiebreakers and NFC conference record, things like that. Like the winner of this game is going to feel pretty good about the setup for the rest of the way. And the, the loser of this game is going to have, you know, not, they're not going to feel terrible at themselves, but they know they're going to have some work to do going forward. I think it's a, it's a, it's also an interesting game in how they both got to five and five. They both, um, you know, won their last two games. They both beat uh, a good uh, division rival to do that. I mean, uh, uh, the 49ers cr- crushed the Rams on in prime time uh, to win their fourth game. And then they, you know, slapped around the Jaguars last week. And then the, you know, the Vikings, uh, you know, what the Vikings did to the Packers was uh, pretty impressive. And, you know, the, the clock management at the end, it seems like everything was, you know, the offense, the defense had the right stops in the, the right time. The offense took advantage of a terrible red zone Packers defense. Um, yeah, it's, you know, you'd like to see the Vikings coming in at full strength, but with their defensive line and the shape it's in, I switch actually switched my pick because I, I had uh, – on uh, the Vikings territory uh, podcast, I picked the Vikings because I thought that they would keep the momentum going. But I changed it today because I just don't see there's not enough left of that defensive line to make me think that they can stop a team that that had a 13-minute and five-second drive to open up last week's game. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we know the Everson-Griffin situation had a, a peaceful resolution to it on Wednesday. Um, but, you know, as we think about Sunday's game, in particular the interior of that line with you know Michael Pierce already being on injured reserve and now Dalvin Tomlinson being on the COVID list, hard to imagine you know how they how they're going to be able to st- stop the run against a team that's been pretty good at it and it's it's been you know a pretty a pretty good ball control team, especially with that like a twenty play drive against. Jacksonville the other week that took up almost an entire quarter of the game, right? Yeah, and it was uh, the longest drive in the NFL since 1997, time-wise. <laughs> they ended up with a field goal. And then the Jaguars go three and out uh, after that, and uh, so uh, in like a minute. So it was uh, – they're the type of team, and they got an interesting player in uh, Debo Samuel. Uh, you know, he sounds a lot like Percy Harvin, and he's kind of a hybrid. He looked when he had when he had, when he runs the ball, he looks like a running back. When he's catching the ball, he looks like a, a receiver. Um, and and they're a physical team. They they play more fullback than even the, the Vikings. Um, it's gonna be a hard team. I mean, the Vikings did have they, I like some of their depth on defense. I mean, Sheldon Richardson is a starting caliber player. Armand Watts is a really good backup. 
Uh, I like Kenny Willick is the one time the extended one, one and only extended time we saw him play. Uh, but these are, you know, there's just not enough, of, not enough of the bodies there for it to, to, to do what I think they need to do in order to win this game. Cause when this team, when this team wobbles or falls off the rails, it always starts with the run run defense, I think. And uh, you know, I, <laughs> It'd probably be a one-score game because that's just how they play. But uh, I just have a hard time seeing them stopping a 49ers team that's uh, it got as much momentum going as they as the Vikings. Yeah, it kind of feels like the only uh, the, the the like most likely path to a victory in this game would be a certain amount of offensive efficiency. If if you imagine you might not have the ball as much as you want, if if San Francisco is able to control some clock, you're going to have to do a lot with whatever possessions you have. And the offense has been quite good um, the last couple of weeks in particular and in, in being aggressive and, in, you know, taking some of those downfield shots. What do you, is that to you a sustainable model for this team? Is that really how they can and want to play? Or was that a, was that born out of a certain amount of necessity at a certain point here? I, you know, I don't, I don't know, but if it's, uh, um, to me, it's, that's how they have to play. This is uh, the last two games with the, the season, the regime, everything on, on the brink of imploding. Uh, they, you know, got aggressive with Kirk and uh, you know, Kirk will tell you they, what they's not changed. Well, something changed in the last two weeks. It's Zimmer. It's, it's Kirk. It's, it's Kubiak. This is how they have to win. And this is the sort of like last year when they, they were one and five and they just rode Dalvin cook. And that was kind of their recipe to me. This is, this is Kirk's team now. And you, you know, if you're going to go down, go down with the guy that you're paying to, to carry your team, or you paid the equivalent money to, to a guy that could carry your team. Uh, so it's time to find out and just keep doing it. Now what's going to happen. I mean, Kirk's been uh, living, uh, living right because there's a lot of cases where there could have been interceptions and one was obviously overturned. Um, there's going to be some, there's going to be interceptions. He's not going to finish the year with two interceptions. So this is how they have to live with it. And, and in order, I think they, you know, just playing ball control to try and out ball control San Francisco isn't going to work. I think it's Kirk cousins and these receivers and uh, this offensive line, you know, scraping it together and outscoring this team. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's a path there and, you know, kind of like the Vikings, the 49ers have been, up and down this season, they got to five and five, kind of like you said, they were three and five and now back in that mix. So, you know, one of these teams will have a three game winning streak and feel pretty good about themselves. And the other one will feel like they, they've still got some, some room to go in, uh, in that NFC um, two teams, a little bit further up in the standings. Let's talk Packers and Rams. You like green Bay in a close one. Seemed like Aaron Rodgers kind of got back in rhythm last week against the Vikings, even though Minnesota wins that game. Ultimately, the Rams have been kind of scuffling a little bit here. It's been a weird kind of stretch for them where teams have started to figure out a little bit of what they want to do. Um, what do you make of the Rams, you know, kind of hitting a little bit of a, a bump here in the middle of the season? Yeah, I mean, it's like uh, every time you uh, someone labels their team the best team in the league, so like Tennessee last week, <laughs> they lose to Houston. The Rams, two losses, two weeks or, or two games ago for them, were looking like, you know, they maybe they and the Packers were the best teams in the league. Maybe the Rams were the best team. And then they got destroyed by Tennessee, and then they lose again. And uh, 
yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know if it's maybe they were playing a little bit above their, their heads, but you know, they're so talented. Um, but you know, Matthew Stafford is not, not going to be a perfect quarterback. I mean, he's a, he's a good quarterback for their situation. Um, fits what they need, which is why they, you know, they pushed all the chips in the middle for, for the, the talent that they have. But, uh, you know, if, Coming off a bye week, uh, you know, it's a hard place to go at Lambeau. Uh, I like the Packers getting better. Um, I, it's kind of weird picking the Packers to win a one-score game when their their kicking situation is atrocious. And Crosby's missed two of his last uh, – or he's only made two of his last six. He, he misses that 32-yarder uh, against the, the Vikings. They end up losing by three. Um, they, got a, they got a bad situation going on, a kicker there. Uh, but as far as the Rams, you know, I think they're still a good team. They're 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 gonna they're gonna win their share of games. They're gonna be in the playoffs, and then we'll see if Matthew Stafford can uh, can do what they thought he could do in the playoffs. And just to clear things up, Aaron Rodgers saying on Wednesday he does not have COVID toe, but he does have a fracture in his toe. Apparently, is that's that's what's causing the uh, the discomfort. So that that's something to watch as as the as the year goes on. That's got to be kind of painful to play through. Yeah, you know, I uh, Brett Favre probably played for the through everything. I mean, Brett Favre played through a broken thumb. And, um, I mean, he he looked fine. I mean, he he looked rusty uh, at, at points in the first half. I and mean, there was a there was a pass where uh, to a deep ball to he had plenty of time to throw to Valdez Scantling and missed him. And remember, we kind of looked at each other in the press box like, "Wow, that's not Aaron Rodgers." And then I think a handful of plays later, he hit him. Uh, and then the second half, he was, you know, he was Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I, I, you know, his, his mobility is such a big part of his game that it could, it, it's not good for him. But I don't, I don't think that uh, based on how he looked in the second half, uh, I think he'll be able to get through it. Is OBJ cursing two teams this year? Yeah, I, I wouldn't want him on my team. I know that. I'm, he's not worth it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, look at his record of, yeah, maybe he wants out. Maybe maybe there's another team. That he, maybe the Packers. Uh, he'll go against Justin Jefferson's directive of not going to the Packers because uh, although the Packers just lost, so he'll have to go to New England because they're New England five game winning streak. So he'll just go from like to whoever has the longest winning streak. Didn't Moss play for three teams in 2010? Didn't he go from? Yeah, Patriots to uh, the Vikings to the uh, to the Titans. Yeah. So it's not unprecedented that somebody could play for three teams in one season, but I'd prob- probably not, especially because the Rams have some injuries at wide receiver, right? Didn't Woods go up for the year um, right, 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 after, uh, right after OBJ got there? Yeah, they, they, they were having problems at receiver for sure. A uh, couple more here for you, Mark Craig, looking, just looking through your picks. Interesting game. I think the Colts have kind of got something going here, and they play Tampa Bay. You like the Colts and an upset special in that one. Is that right? Yeah, you know, I like, uh, you know, the Colts are at home. You know, the Buccaneers, uh, obviously, they lost two in a row, but then they got they got right against the Giants at home. Uh, Giants are a disaster. They just fired their offensive coordinator. You know, it seems like the Giants fire someone like every other month. Um, but it's not – it wasn't – I mean, and again, our defense got better. But it just to me, the way the Colts are playing, uh, you know, Jonathan Taylor is starting to get comparison, you know, Things he's doing, uh, all the greats of the game are names are being lumped with him. Uh, so he's playing extremely well. And if the Colts keep going, he, you know, he, he could be in, in the MVP race. Uh, so I just like them at home. Um, you know, the, the Buccaneers are going to 
it's kind of a little bumpy road last year up to this point for them. And then they, they reeled off all those wins. It might be the, the opposite this year where they kind of go into the playoffs a little bumpy. Uh, still a good team, but I, I just like the Colts right now. They're one of these teams that's kind of surging. What's going on in Seattle? I, I see you've got them losing to Washington. They just lost to, well, they were shut out by the Packers a couple weeks ago, and then they just lost to uh, Arizona, I believe, right? So they, they're, what, they're three and, are they three and seven right now? What, I mean, yeah. I, know that, I know Wilson was out for a while, and he's probably not exactly back in full form yet, but, you know, they're just, is this just a case where they're kind of hit a wall, and when once you get once you get bad, you can get bad in a hurry? Yeah, I mean they they were good for. I mean, this is uh, what his eleventh year, I think, and he's never missed the playoffs. Uh, uh, yeah, he you know he was hurt, and then uh, obviously has when he came back, uh, you know they got shut out against Green Bay, and um, has not looked good. Um, you know the defense early in the year was just terrible. It, uh, so yeah, it's the, kind of their their turn to. Uh, take one of one of these hits for the season and then who knows last year's off season with russell wilson wanting out and everything maybe uh maybe this is his last run in seattle yeah it could be well it's a good weekend of games bunch of games thursday as well hope everybody enjoys watching the uh the thanksgiving day festivities although they have to start with bears lions right that's not going to be fun bears lions and going into that game the Lions actually had a better record than the Bears in the last five games. Because the Bears Lions tied one. 0-4-1 oh, versus 0-5. <laughs> oh, and, oh, and there's there's reports that this could be Matt Nagy's last game, too. So this is uh, that uh, that could be an interesting environment. Maybe this is where Detroit gets their first win. Well, if I'm the Vikings, Vikings fans, Vikings, anything to do with Purple Nation, I would want the the Lions uh, to win this game because that you don't want the 0-10-1 Lions facing the, the Vikings on December 5th because I've been here long enough, 22 years now, that to know Minnesota's luck and history and uh, the scar tissue that, that you people suffer through. So uh, I would not want to be playing the Lions in Detroit. When you almost lost to them. Vikings almost lost to them at home. You know, I – yeah, I wouldn't want any part of that. So they better beat the Bears for the Vikings' sake. Well, I think there's a good chance they do it, um, even though they haven't won all year. Well, good stuff. Good, uh, good, uh, good picks this week. Good luck, and we'll uh, we'll see how that Sunday game turns out. We'll do this again next week. All right, thanks, Michael. Enjoy chatting with Mark Craig as always. You know, with Mark, with with the with that, it comes down to can the Vikings stay aggressive in this game? Can they can they keep that mentality going? Because I feel like they've they've done that by and large, but you know, for the last two weeks. But is that really something that's here to stay, or is that something that was a product of necessity? I think they need to do it again against San Francisco. Whether they will do it will determine the outcome of Sunday's game. Let's finish with the cooler, maybe more appropriately, the colder. U.S. men's national team will play a World Cup qualifier in St. Paul. Great, right? Awesome. Yes, except it is on February 2nd against Honduras. Yes, they've they've decided to schedule a World Cup qualifier in St. Paul in the middle of winter. Now, understand that the U.S. players might be a little bit better equipped to play in the cold and snow than Honduras. It's a little colder here than it is in Honduras typically. I think it'll be a cool environment. It might be a freezing cold environment. I don't really know. Um, just strikes me as a little odd that that was the time they chose to give the U.S. 
men's national team a game at Allianz Field. But you know what? We'll take it. I think it'll be pretty fun, and uh, maybe it won't be as cold as it possibly could be. That will do it for today. Thanks for joining me here on the Thanksgiving edition of Daily Delivery. Back at it tomorrow with Phil Miller from the Star Tribune talking twins and payroll. Enjoy the rest of your day, and I'll see you again tomorrow.